I was thinking about this week, I was reminded as I was looking at this scripture, as, we, as you look at the title, thinking about the past, the present, and looking forward to the future, I can't help but think the impact that you and I have on other people and how people impact our lives. And um, June reminded me earlier this week of my favorite movie, which was interesting because what I planned to speak on. So it was kind of one of those deja vu moments, so to speak. My favorite movie, uh, specifically of Christmas, is It's a Wonderful Life. Now, those of you are in the balcony, it's probably going to drive you crazy because I'm going to be doing this, and you're going to be doing this, and we're just going to sway together. Eventually, you'll see me or whatnot. Hopefully, uh, you'll see me at a good point. But uh, It's a Wonderful Life is one of my favorite movies at Christmas time. Came out in the mid to late 40s. Stars Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and a host of others. But it's my favorite movie because it takes the storyline. How many of you are familiar with the movie? Most of you. Takes the storyline. If you've never seen it, I'm amazed. There's a lot of people who have never seen the movie. Uh, I think it's on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. If you have Netflix, you should look it up. If not, go to Walmart and buy a copy for five or six bucks. But it's the storyline of a man by the name of George Bailey. And he experiences, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but he experiences some, some chaos in his life. And as a result, he kind of wishes that he had never existed. And so the whole storyline basically takes him back from his earliest days about how if he had never existed, what would have resulted. And one of the first storylines is it takes him back to a snippet where his brother and, and he are, are sledding. And it shows how his brother falls through the ice. Now his brother ends up becoming a World War II hero, saving dozens of people's lives. But when George Bailey didn't exist... He wasn't there to save his brother from the ice. So his brother not only caught a bad cold, his brother drowned in the ice. And because his brother drowned in the ice, because George Bailey wasn't there to save him, then all those men on that aircraft carrier also died. And, and you're, you're left with this impression by the end of the movie, you're left with the impression that our lives matter. No matter how insignificant you and I might think, and every single one of us, we're honest with ourselves, goes through an experience or goes through a season of life where we just, we just feel down on ourselves. We think, you know, it doesn't really matter what I do. It doesn't really matter what I think. It doesn't really matter how I live. But if we'll think for a moment and think of the impact that we can have on people's lives, you may never know that you're in a line of traffic and let's say, let's, let's just take for example, you're in a line of traffic, you're going to Knoxville. You're going to Knoxville, you're going to Pigeon Forge. It'll be a happy thought. You're going to Pigeon Forge, hopefully that makes you happy. You're on the way to Pigeon Forge, and you're like a car in the car line, you're like number eight in the car line. Now, I hate traffic, I don't like people in front of me. I think all left lanes should be reserved for Todd. But uh, that's just my personal opinion, that's my gospel truth. And so when I get in traffic, I get very frustrated, we'll just say. But let's just say you're number eight in line. And you're number eight in line, and there's a number nine and number ten. If you were eighth in line, they would be eighth in line. Or if other people were in that line, if they didn't exist, you'd be closer. So when an accident happens, you could be that much closer to the accident, or you could be in the accident. If you and I would just take a moment and think out of our busy schedules and just the routine movements of our lives and think, you're in the exact place that you need to be in this time and this space and are you using this time and this space for his glory. There's a way that that can get you out of the muck of attitude that you and I might be in. Everybody has a bad day. It's important that you don't allow your bad day to become a bad week, a bad year, and ultimately a bad life. 
But I've run into a number of people that seem to be defined by their failures rather than being defined by his success through you. I've been watching a movie, a program on Netflix entitled uh, The Men Who Built America. How many of you are familiar with that? It's the story of J.P. Morgan, Cornelius Vanderbilt, uh, Andrew Carnegie, uh, and uh, George D., uh, J.D. Rockefeller. And in it, it talks about uh, one particular episode of J.P. Morgan, how he pulls this uh, entrepreneur, this inventor named Thomas Edison aside. And there's this great quote from Edison when he is revealing the power of electricity, the light bulb at the World's Fair in Chicago. Someone says, you know, you failed over a thousand times before you ever developed the light bulb. And he is said to have said this, and I love it, it's a great quote. He says, no, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just discovered a thousand ways not to invent a light bulb. Our perception of things determines our outcome. Our outlook determines our outcome. I've repeatedly said that. So for you and me, we can either look at our failures, look at our problems, look at our situations, and be defined by them, or we can soar above those issues and circumstances and redefine our cause. Now, one of the important things for us in, in the Christian walk and in life is for us to recognize who we are, to recognize whose we are, and to be able to look and know where we are in the present, know where we've been in the past, and know where we're headed in the future. And Titus chapter 3 does just that, I believe. It tells us to live in the now. If you look in verse 2, it says, Remind people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, we love that word, uh, and to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward Everyone, you and I need to live in the now and we need to seize the now. And seizing this moment means that you and I are going to, one, respect authority. Number two, that we're going to be obedient to what God tells us to do. And that we are going to be ready to do every good deed. That we are going to anticipate doing good. Because when you and I are not just ready to good, do good deeds, but when we're engaged in it, when we're engaged in encouraging people, when we're engaged in living life and helping people, we will find that our life is not nearly as bad as what sometimes we sit alone and think. Live in the now. You and I must live in the now. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you need to live in the now. Go ahead and do it. You need to live in the now. We need to live in the now. Not focus. Listen, some of us are living in the past. Some of us are living about the old decisions that we made or old decisions that were made before us. And for some reason, we just cannot get out of that funk that we're in. The past is haunting and creeping into our present. You and I must let go of the past and live in the here and now for His glory. And this is what will happen. If you will let go of the things that you've said or let go of the things that you have done or let go of the situations that you've been in which for all practical purposes have defined you to this moment if you will be done with them if you will just lay them at the feet of Jesus and I mean that very literally lay them at the feet of Jesus and be done with them you will find that you will have a much better perspective on life listen I could spend all day talking about my past. I could spend my 
entire life living my past and being just immersed in my past mistakes and problems and situations. But it does not do me any good, nor does it do you any good. Listen, you are called to impact other people, to do good and to be good for other people. Why? Because God wants to fulfill His purpose in us. We cannot fulfill God's purpose when we are so focused on our failures that we fail to be focused on His ultimate success. Jesus has come. He has transformed the world. Time is defined by Him. He is worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. And guess what? You are worthy to worship Him because He has come down. God has come down for you. God sacrificed Himself for you and for me. Let go of your past. Live in the present. Live in the now. But as you and I live in the now, don't forget where you have been. We don't ever need to forget where we've been. So as you think about that, what does he say in, uh, in, in Titus chapter 3? Well, he says in verses 3, at one time, he could have easily said in the past... We too were foolish, were disobedient, were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Now, were signifies for you English scholars out there, what tense of the verb? Past. In other words, what was is now gone. What did define us no longer defines us. We were once foolish. We were once disobedient. We were once enmeshed in all these things that take us away from God. We were once deceived. We were once enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived past tense in malice and envy. Being hated and hating one another. But, in verse 4... When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Not because that you did something great, not because you did something bad. He did what He did, reached down in the in the, in the humanness of our situation and redeemed humanity through the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of His mercy. Because He can. He reached down in the midst of who we are when we were all messed up. And though our lives might be uh, described in all of these sundry adjectives and adverbs that would describe a, a beaten path, a tormented path, a path that is hurting, God consistently reminds us throughout the scripture just how much He cares for us. In 2 Corinthians 1.4, the Bible tells us that He comforts us in all our troubles, so that why? We can comfort other people. God does not want you to live defined by your hurts. God does not want you to live or being defined by the defeating moments of your life. God wants you to experience the here and now and the victory that is yours through Christ and Christ alone. Live in the now. Don't forget the past. You say, well, what is the purpose of the past? The purpose of the past is to remind you where you've been. 
So that when you and I get holier than thou and think we are better than other people, that we can be reminded that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ was applied just as much to our lives as we need to love other people and encourage and apply to theirs. To those much given, much is required. Don't forget where you have been. Let the past be the past, but don't forget it. We were foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were enslaved, we were hateful. Now, how many of you participate in social media? Go ahead, confess. Let me try that again. I want to see hands lifted high. How many of you participate in social media in any way? Ah, bam, honesty comes to the floor. How many of you are following Twitter this week, Facebook this week, the news this week? What was the major news story of the week other than the Triple Crown that happened yesterday, I think? Oh, what? I'm sorry, Jenner. What, what about Jenner? What? Miss Jenner, Mr. Jenner? Yeah. Uh, and you know, um, d- did anybody notice my post on Facebook about it? Anybody see my post on Facebook? Good, because I didn't post. <laughs> Do you know why I didn't post? Because I find it interesting that most everybody that posted about it, it became a religious war in which we are the saints of God and this person living is living in a lifestyle or in a life that's contrary to Scripture and we need to point this out so that they will know it. Let me tell you what I believe, and I, I mentioned this on Wednesday night, and I've even given more thought to it since Wednesday, and, and here's my response uh, to it. Some of you will like it, some of you will not. I don't really care because I'm here to impress one person. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to make sure that what I preach to you is the gospel. Sometimes the gospel affirms us. Sometimes the gospel means that we are like soldiers marking in a battle. And then sometimes we need to repent. Just like everybody else. There's one thing that I'll say about Jenner. And the word that comes to mind... Is broken. Now, for many of us, when you look at Facebook and it's lit up and Twitter as it's lit up with all these comments and the wrath of God and the judgment of God or the grace of God and how we need to be sympathetic to this or sympathetic to that, we end up compromising on our principles. But really, when I look at the whole thrust of social media this week, Regardless of whether you think you can choose gender or whether you can't, that's for another argument. Uh, I I can go in that later. But here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. It speaks to brokenness. It is obvious from his own testimony, from her own testimony, that she, he, is broken. It's obvious that life has been chaotic. It's obvious that there has been an identity crisis. That Jenner did not know who he was. Possibly not know who he is. And understand that what Jenner speaks to is a commonality of us all. And that is... That we are in dire need, desperate need of the movement of God in our lives. You may say, I know I'm going to go a step further than that. Listen, 
It is obvious this is sin. We must call it out. We need to make sure that people understand that we're not going to condone. We're not going to stand. Just think about this. We are in need of a Savior. Sometimes our past creeps into our present and defines our future. Sometimes our present reality is nothing about being holy. It's nothing about being godly. Sometimes our present reality is a distraction from the truth of God. All sexual perversion is sin. Now we find it easy to throw stones at Jenner. But what are we doing about our own sexual perversion? What are we doing about our own addictions to pornography? What are we doing about our own lusts and greeds and all these other things? See, we don't, we don't want to deal with those. We are fully ready, willing, capable, and able to distance ourselves from people like him. Because by distancing ourselves from him, we psychologically, emotionally believe and have bought into the lie that that makes us okay. That suddenly by distancing ourselves from that reality, that our sin is not a big deal. That our sin is not a big deal as his. But all sin is a big deal to a holy God that wants to reach down in the midst of our brokenness and reach down in the midst of our miry mess and redeem us from where we are to where he wants us to be. It's so easy to jump on the bandwagon. It's so easy to become very judgmental. But what ultimately it says to us and what it says to the church and what it says to Christendom is that we have missed, we have misunderstood the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with being outwardly opposed and disgusted at sin. But the problem is We so often are disgusted at everybody else's that we fail to be disgusted at our own. And therein lies the problem of the Christian faith, the dichotomy of the Christian faith, the hypocritical nature of the Christian faith. And so this perhaps leads us to disassociate ourselves with such people because it makes us feel a little less messed up. But in reality, we cherry-pick our sins We pick and choose and compare our lives to these individuals that are other than us by making ourselves feel a little bit less messed up. And we do this, ladies and gentlemen, we do this because we misunderstand the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. And the best quote I can give you is by Tim Keller, who is a Presbyterian out of New York. He says... That the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is good news. It has the ability... To reach down in our brokenness and redeem that which is broken. To set anew that which is broken. 
Christ died for us when we were at our absolute ugliest, horrific state. If we understood this, we would be more selective in what we post on social media. We'd be more careful about what we say. Do I think that this scenario is a perversion? Yes, I do. But do I think that his sin is greater than mine or yours? No, I don't. All sin represents a detachment from God. All sin encompasses a separation from God. All sin defiles our relationship with Christ. Now, you may say, well, I don't agree with that because there are some sins that are greater than others. No, all sin is the same. The consequences of our sin is different. If I go to Ingalls today and I steal a loaf of bread, that is going to be considered different than a sin if I murder you. The penalty of that sin, the consequence of those two sins is radically different. But both of them are horrific to an almighty God who is worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. The gospel has come to fix that situation. Listen, if you are trapped in a body that you can't identify with, Listen, you want to change your gender. You want to change your identity. You're not happy with the way your body is. You want to have this implant or that implant or fix this or fix that. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you can fix anything you want to fix, but it will never, ever, ever fix this. Because the only person that can fix this is Jesus Christ of the gospel. The only thing that can fix Jenner is the same thing that can fix us. It is Jesus Christ's gospel, the hope. It is Him living, breathing, moving in our lives. And you may say, what should my response be for people like Jenner? Or people, other people that are struggling, whatnot. Our response should be the same response that we would do for anyone who is living in life and who is struggling in life, which i.e. is all of us. We should pray for them. But not a snippet prayer offered casually as a casual Christian, but as a prayer offered for the hope and the redemption of an individual to know Christ and to make him known. You may say, I don't feel like praying for that type of situation. I don't feel like praying for him. I don't know him. If you and I are not praying, that may be a sign that we don't care. And if we don't care, then that might be a sign that we don't love. And if you and I don't love, then ladies and gentlemen, based on scripture, it is a sign that we do not understand Jesus, nor do we understand the gospel, which was supposedly supposed to set us free. Prayer, prayer transforms people's lives as the Holy Spirit moves in. If we do not love, then we are in direct opposition to God. In fact, 1 John 4.20 would say, basically, if we do not love, we may not even love God. So instead of praying that we might distance ourselves or distance our culture from this kind of phenomenon that has lit up social media this week, we should pray that the Christians of this world would go and pray and pray and pray. Because listen, every single one of us 
needs to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. Every single one of us needs to and has experienced in some shape or form brokenness. We are in the need of a Savior. Let us commit ourselves not to trying to to pigeonhole or to pick certain sins as greater than others. To write certain people off or to joke around other people or joke about people and joke about the lives that they live. Let us commit to focusing on the redemptive nature of Christ and praying for the needs of of people because the needs are great. And when you look at a cross section of First Baptist Church, you will see brokenness nearly in every family. You will see brokenness and it does not listen. It does not know race or creed. Brokenness does not know saved or unsaved. Brokenness is all around us. Most of us before we're ever baptized through the power of Christ, we're baptized into brokenness. We experience it and some of us have hit the bottom of the barrel. We've scratched until there's no end to it. We've looked and there's no hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Listen, you're not looking for the light. You need to be looking for Jesus because Jesus is the one that can fix your situation and fix my situation he is the one he is the answer for all the questions that we may have ultimately he is the solution to the problem and I don't offer that as a cliche I offer that as reality it is my firm belief in the gospel In the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is hope for everyone. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you, actually, let's just say this together. In the gospel, there is hope for everyone. Let's say it again. In the gospel, there is hope for everyone. In the gospel, there is hope for everyone. The first step of dealing with the flaws in our lives, in our world, in our church, and in our family is not to put some kind of cute little quote on Facebook or tweet on Twitter or Pinterest or anything else. The first response that you and I need to have in addressing a broken world is for us to look in the mirror. Look at your own life. Look at how far you are from the holiness of God. Look at how far God has brought you to this moment. Because never, ever, 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 ever forget that at one time we were foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were enslaved by all kinds of things. We lived in malice and anger and envy. We hated and we hated other people. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of what we did, but because of His great mercy. I love the conjunction, but, because it signifies that there has been a change with what previously occurred. We were this, but now we are this because Jesus. Is that true of your story? Is that true of your walk with Christ? Is that true of your brokenness? Listen, ladies and gentlemen. God wants to take your brokenness. He wants to reach down in the midst of your fallenness. And He wants to be able to use your story 
Use it to transform other people's lives as we encourage one another. Psalm 147 verse 3 tells us very simplicity that he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He wants to heal you. He wants to bandage you. He doesn't want you to be his national spokesperson of Christendom. To push down someone. To criticize someone. To offer your cliché, your gospel clichés that demean someone. He wants you to think about the reality that there are people like Jenner that are out there. And they're not way over there. They're not way over here. They're amongst us. They're in the midst of us. This congregation is full of people who are hurting and represent families that are hurting and suffering. And sometimes they will never, ever utter a word for a prayer request. They may never, never speak to the reality of their lives, but it does not nullify, nullify the fact that their existence is still there. That there are hurting people. Hurting people hurt people. Broken people live broken lives. But thank goodness for the power of Jesus Christ who reaches down in the midst of our brokenness. No matter how great we want to think. And, and I know, listen, I've been there. I have prayed prayers sort of like this, what you thought in your mind. God, I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with that in my life or in my family. You've thought that to yourself. Woo! So glad I don't have kids like that. Woo! So glad I don't have a marriage like that. Woo! So glad I don't have a friend that does that. Man alive, I, woo! I can't, I'm so glad. Thank you, God, for letting me struggle in this way, but thank you for not letting me struggle in that way. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what your struggle is, gender crisis, sexual identity. It doesn't matter. It all encompasses brokenness that needs a Savior. And thankfully, we worship the solution. He is the solution. Not popping pills. Listen, listen, my wife's a therapist. I'm all about therapy. There are people that go to therapy. Let me tell you something. <laughs> there's therapy and there's therapy. Sometimes you need both. If you think that popping a pill, if you think ending your life, if you think cutting it out, cutting the problem, you think cutting your body is going to cripple the problem, if you think anything that you're trying to do to get attention, if you're trying to get attention in your life and you're going down a, a journey or going down a road so that other people will notice, let me, let me help you understand. God noticed you before you were ever formed in the womb. He knows who you are. He knows where you've been. He knows where you have the potential to go. All you have to do is be willing to understand that I am a sinner. I am broken. On my best day, I messed up and fouled up. And I'm no better than Bruce Jenner or anybody else in this world. I'm in need of the touch of Almighty God. I'm in need of a Savior that can make me whole. I'm in need to have this heart filled with something that I will never be able to fill it with on my own. I'm in need of the Lord Jesus Christ who enables me to climb the highest mountains and reaches in the depths of where I am in the midst of my brokenness to say, be at rest. Be at rest 
It's time for us to worship the Christ who has called us. The Christ that we celebrate at Christmas that's born. The Christ that we remember that died on Good Friday. And the Christ that was powerfully resurrected. He gives us the opportunity to be victorious. No matter what's defining us. No matter what the past or the present. We can have a determined future in Him. We are in need of a Savior. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word and your truth. The simplistic message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is for all people. How you put up with so much junk of our lives and how we so often want to distance ourselves from other people and we say that we're, you know, we kind of think to ourselves, I'm, I'm so glad that you made me this way because I'm better off than this person or that person. Lord, forgive us for trying to diminish the reality of our own sin. Forgive us for trying to diminish the fact that all sin separates us from a dynamic and prosperous life and relationship with you. Help us to pray for brokenness, our own brokenness, the brokenness that we see in the mirror, the brokenness that we see in our homes, the brokenness we see on the news, the brokenness we see on social media. May our response be not to judge, but to seek the counsel of the one who's called us, who has saved us, who's spoken to us, and who has made us complete. God, in this invitation, some of us have been living lives and we've been doing things to get people's attention. We've been doing things to get our parents' attention. We've been doing things to get our friends' attention. We've been doing things to get your attention, Lord. And God, may we know that we've always had your attention. You've always been mindful of where we are, where we've been, and where we're headed. Father, some today may need simply to come and to lay their baggage and lay their mess and to lay their problems, to lay their brokenness here at this altar and say, God, I, I, want, to have, I want to have a new life. I want to be made complete. I want, to, I, want to, I want to be able to live differently. So many of us have focused on changing the outside Changing the outside doesn't change the inside. It doesn't change the heart. And if the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. So we come today, Lord, and we give you our hearts. We surrender our needs, our wants, our desires, and we just say, Lord, I don't have the words, but I just want to come today. God, I pray for brokenness all around us. May we experience your redemption. May we experience your truth. May the gospel set us free and may it unleash us from the chains that so often tear us down. Help us, Lord, to be good stewards of the joy that you've given us through Christ. May we trust in you daily. May we pray for brokenness, our own and others, recognizing that our redemption and the redemption of this world is simply a word away. And Lord, that word is Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing, if you're here this morning, you come lay your needs at the altar. You need to pray at your seat. You need to be seated. You do whatever you need to do. You know your brokenness. Listen, don't point out the brokenness of other people besides you. You look at your own.
you respond to the prodding and need of God as He speaks to you, as He's spoken to you, as you think about where you've been in your walk and in your talk, where you and I need to be, our response in worship can only be repentance. Won't you come as we sing?